Women Taking the Lead, episode 109. We have to recognize that we are leaders and mentors, whether we accept that tremendous responsibility or not. So you can stop feeling sorry for yourself or stop feeling unworthy that you're not a good leader and realize that you are or aren't, regardless of your acceptance of that responsibility. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognize to reserve your spot in our upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work you do. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Welcome to Women Taking the Lead. I'm excited to be bringing you the male perspective today. This podcast isn't just about women helping women. It's my philosophy that it's going to take both genders working together to see more women stepping up as leaders. We can gain a lot of insights from men, so I interview men who work with women around their leadership development. And as our guest today, we have Steve Wozner, who is CEO of Predictive ROI and the host of the brilliant Onward Nation podcast. He's the author of two best-selling books, The Small Business Owner's Handbook to Search Engine Optimization and Increase Online Sales Through Viral Social Networking. His digital marketing insights have been featured in Success, Forbes, Entrepreneur, The Washington Post, Inc. Magazine, and more. His agency blends education in very transparent ways for clients. Stephen, my goodness, what an honor to have you on my show. I'm looking at the names of all of those publications and being like, how'd he do that? That's amazing. So (laughs) tell us a little bit more about you so people know who they're listening to. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, And it's an honor to be here with you and um, and, and your listeners. So the honor is mine. I'm grateful that you would uh, think to extend the invitation to me. That was very kind of you, Jody. So um, first of all, just thank you for for having me as your guest. And um, okay, so just a, a, a little bit about me. I, I own a company, as you mentioned, Predictive ROI. And we also uh, produce a daily podcast for business owners called Onward Nation, which your listeners can find at onwardnation.com. And I am the grandson a uh, grateful grandson of uh, my grandfather who immigrated here in the early 1920s when he was um, in his early 20s uh, from Istanbul, uh, Turkey. And my family is uh, are, are, are Greeks, hardworking Greeks, as many of the immigrants were at, around that time. And he took a risk to come to America when he knew no one and he had $10 in his pocket. And, and he gritted it out. You know, he he wanted to experience that American dream, the entrepreneurial dream, and he gritted it out and and couldn't speak the language. And he washed dishes and cut lettuce at a downtown Canton, Ohio restaurant. And he did that for six years and saved his money because he wanted to realize the dream of owning his own business. And after being here for six years, he opened his own restaurant and met an amazing woman along the way. Of course, I'm biased because she's my grandmother. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, but he was 14 years older than she was. And so her family said, no, 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 you need to wait. And he did. And so they got married. They had four amazing kids uh, along the way, 10 grandkids of, of whom I won. But, but 
you know, when he was running that restaurant side by side with my grandmother, you know, he ran that restaurant through the Great Depression. He gave away more soup than he ever sold. And my grandmother said, Pete, why are you doing that? And he said, ah, you know, his grand business plan was if you take care of the customer, Jody, they will take care of you. And that's what he did. And, and so he ran that restaurant, then a larger restaurant for a total of 42 years, but he ran a restaurant through the Great Depression. You want to talk about the original value meal. He sold soup and homemade soup and a homemade sandwich for a nickel. McDonald's had nothing on my grandfather. And, <laughs> and so, but that's what he did. And so he got through the tough times, the thin times. Why? Because he had an amazing wife, incredible kids, great grandkids, who, you know, we bonded together as a, as a great family. Business was always kind of the centerpiece of, of growing up. And my life growing up was literally my big fat Greek wedding. No joke. That was my life growing up and in the restaurants and so forth. And so entrepreneurship and leadership and mentorship, family values, strong family leaders is, is definitely something that I grew up with. And I'm sure we'll chat a little bit more about that today, but, but then, you know, I went on to, to run my own companies and, and, but entrepreneurship is, is really in my DNA. Mm, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that with us because I believe, and I've chatted about this with uh, one of my other guests, how our past generations do have an impact on us today. There are things passed down that we know of, things that are passed down that we're not aware of, but that shape how we approach the world. And what a great story to have as your foundation. And I can definitely see that in you because I know a little bit about you and I've, I've listened to your podcast and I know how you treat your guests and how you talk about customers. And I know that's one of your top values. So such an honor to have you on today, Stephen. So to start off with, tell us a story about a woman who has impacted you as a leader. Well, um, Goodness, I, you probably didn't expect me to get emotional on the first question, um, <clears throat> but but that would have to be uh, my grandmother. Um, so my grandfather's wife. So my grandmother, um, her name was uh, Julia Marinitis, and um, heh, so we we lost her in uh, two thousand and three, and you know my. Um, Goodness, sorry. Um, and, and so, in 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 a Greek family, you you refer to your grandparents as Yaya, grandmother in Greek, or Papu, which is grandfather. And so, my Yaya, um, she she raised us grandkids. Um, and when we weren't working in our family restaurants, we were <laughs> largely at her house, and she was cooking and cleaning for us. This is when she was, you know, quote unquote, retired, taking care of all of us grandkids. But, you know, in those years when she was running the restaurant with my grandfather, and it wasn't, you know, occasionally running errands, it was like working side by side with him in making all the food and all the prep work and taking care of all of the customers. And they ran that business together and they worked side by side for 42 years. Now, Here's a woman who came to the United States when she was five. She didn't know the language. And, and so her mother, when, um, when, when everybody came over, you know, she was one of several siblings. Her mother was pregnant at the time and then gave birth to her younger sister and then tragically died in the process. 
And so my grandfather, or I, guess I, sh- I should correct myself, my great-grandfather, um, you know, he had these four children and at the time didn't know what to do. And so his solution to the time, which seems so appalling today, but his solution at the time was he was going to go back to Greece and find and marry uh, essentially a, a new mother, as, as, as awful as that sounds. And so his solution for my grandmother, um, Julia, and her other siblings was to put them in an orphanage in Alliance, Ohio. And it wasn't like, you know, the Ritz-Carlton. It was horrific. And throughout her entire adult life, she was always afraid of the dark because of the treatment that she received and sort of the brutality of the day-to-day. And so she's five years old and her father leaves her and doesn't come back for three years. And so when I look at the courage that that required, and then to be an amazing woman of love and caring and hard work and grit and tenacity through the Great Depression and through world wars and through all of that, and still have the compassion to take care of us kids and to instill the family values and the entrepreneurship and the leadership that we all grew up with and to never ask for anything in return, in my opinion, is remarkable. And so when I think of your question, I think, well, that's Julia. (laughs) Wow. Okay, Stephen, (laughs) you did it to me too. So we got each other. On this question, what a powerful, amazing story. What a woman Mm. she was. And, you know, thank you for sharing that story because she really expressed her leadership through love. And and that, uh, that always warms my heart. And she did it just by doing what made sense for the family, right? She was a businesswoman because her husband owned a restaurant. But, but the sound of it was like she was right there with him. Well, and the reality is, is they owned the restaurant, right? It wasn't my grandfather's. It was theirs together, right? Yeah. And she was right along. She, she stood beside him and he beside her because that's where they both belonged. They ran the restaurant together and, and then, you know, figured out a way to have four great kids along the way and 10 great grandkids along the way. Um, she didn't need a title. She didn't need permission to do so. She didn't need all of those kind of formalities that when we think of leadership today, we think of, you know, org charts and titles and bureaucracy and permissions and formal education and, and so forth. You know, her, the, the things that embarrassed her in life was that her penmanship wasn't great, that she, had, she struggled when she wrote in cursive in English. And she was, she was embarrassed of those things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> you think about all of these amazing, wonderful, beautiful things. And those are the things that she was embarrassed about. She was an mm-hmm. incredible mentor through example. She was incredible leadership through example. She represented what it meant to be a great wife, what it meant to be a great mom. And when she passed away, the calling hours attendance and the line of cars to go to her funeral was remarkable. And my grandfather said, he always would say this, Jody, he would say, you want to tell me about 
a particular person. All that I need to know about a person is to look at their friends and I know everything about that person. And when my grandmother passed away, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, steady stream of people for hours to come to their calling or to come to her calling hours to pay her respects or their respects, excuse me. And then the same number of people went to her actual funeral. A leader has that type of response, right? And somebody who is so valuable to her community. And so I would encourage your listeners to not be hung up on titles, to be hung up on actions instead in adding value to those people who you love and support throughout your life. That's what makes a good leader. I love that. Thank you for really honing in on that message, you know, doing those things that add value, like just doing what makes sense, what the next best thing to do is. And and that's what your Yaya did. And how many people did she touch just by doing the next right thing? Amen. And and that hello, that was way before Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Okay, that, that, <laughs> right? That, that was in the old-fashioned day, if you will, pre Google and Yahoo and all of that stuff. Yeah, you didn't have an iPhone, right? And so right. let's not get hung up on the tech. And oh, but you know, if only my you know Twitter followers were bigger. No, stop it. It it was about, you know, real people doing great things, taking care of those that you loved, being active in your church community, being a good human being, being devoted to people who are around you. doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Those are great leadership principles, no matter what your gender is. And she certainly exemplified that. Yes, she did. And this is a great segue because, Stephen, what I want to ask you next is, what is something that you see in women that holds them back? Well, that's an excellent question, Jody. And in my opinion, I think it's the imposter syndrome, which, you know, my, my guess is you're probably intimately familiar with and studied it as I have. But My good friend, yes. Sure. And, and, we, <laughs> and we all deal with it. And it doesn't matter, you know, who you are, if you've lived and breathed on this planet, we're all victims of it. And the, the good news and bad news is the good news is it resides in us. The bad news is it's in all of us and we need to kind of, you know, have some sort of exorcism to get it out. And, and so I, I don't know that necessarily women are overly plagued with this more than men. I think we all deal with it, but I think some of the societal roles, some of the peer pressure, some of the traditional values or acceptances may make women more victim to the imposter syndrome, which is the whole belief of, I'm not worthy of this. Who am I to do something so amazing? It's that little voice that sits on your shoulder, whispers in Jody's ear and says, who do you think you are to attempt something so awesome? That's the imposter syndrome, everybody. And you need to know that that is you doing that to yourself more than the world is. You are in yourself or in your own way more than the world is more than your pricing, more than your market, more than your product, more than anything. Are we going to have obstacles? Yeah. That's just part of life. But when you sit and think, oh, this person has it in for me, this person, it's like really examine what the data points are. And oftentimes some of the things that we think are reality are our own myth that we're interjecting. Mm -hmm. And that is the imposter syndrome. So 
be scared and do it anyway. I love that you said that because this comes up a lot in the conversations I have with my clients and we we flip it on its head. I'm like the imposter syndrome rears its ugly head when you're about to do something scary, big, new, challenging, different. It means you're stretching yourself. It means you're living full out. So if the, you know, if that shows up and we call it the inner critic too, that voice, the inner critic, I'm like, when the inner critic shows up, celebrate. Because you are living. You are living on the edge. And that's awesome. It is totally awesome. And, and, and I, you know, I, one of our amazing guests at Onward Nation, her name is Dr. Marcy Beagle. And she's been on, she's been my guest twice. Bec- and in, in, in her second interview or the Encore interview, that's what she said to me. She goes, Stephen, exactly like what you just said. When you're kind of feeling that, that's your litmus test. You're heading in the right direction. And she goes, Stephen, you need to be scared and do it anyway. And I'm like, oh, Marcy, that is so awesome. I'm totally stealing that from you. (laughs) Be scared and do it anyway. And I'll tell you, my inner critic swears at me. (laughs) Like, it has a foul mouth. (laughs) I'm kidding you. So when that happens, I'm just like, whoo, man, okay, take a breath. (laughs) Let's keep going. That's awesome. (laughs) All right. And Stephen, what have you learned from the women you've mentored? Well, so the women that I have mentored? Yeah. Great question. That you can be compassionate and you can be tough as nails at the same time. Mm. And in that you don't have to be squishy. You don't have to be you know, overly emotive. There is a time and a place where being emotive and caring and compassionate is very appropriate. And then there's a time and a place where you need to be tough as nails so that you're not taken advantage of. And and I'm always in awe of the businesswoman, business owner who knows how or has been able to master this kind of graceful, gratitude-filled walk through her business or life when she can be that person over here, that compassionate kind of emotive person. And, and then she can also be the person who's tough as nails. And I don't mean you have to be like the foul kind of, you know, imposter Mm -hmm. that, that, that you have the inner critic, but I do mean being able to have the courage to have the difficult conversation of being able to say, um, no, that's not acceptable. That's not what we agreed to. We need to do this over here, right? Remember that? Yeah. And, and so that doesn't mean that you have to be a jerk in your workplace or, or anything like that. So when I think about, you know, some of the women that we've had on our team and some of the, you know, women leaders on our team, it's, you know, we need to be able to have this type of mentoring conversation with people who report to us and so forth. And this is how we do it. Sometimes we call those come to Jesus conversations, but you know, to, to make sure your listeners understand, when we say a come to Jesus conversation, we don't mean we're going to smack somebody over the head with a two by four and say, if you do that again, you're going to be fired. No, it's a conversation like this. Jody, you need to know that this work that you just recently produced, um, that's not up to your standard. I deserve your best. Our clients do too. And you deserve to do your best work. You are currently not living up to your potential. 
and you should be. And, and, and I deserve that just like you deserve to be able to do your best work. So we're having this conversation because I love you. And in me as a mentor and leader in this business, I need to step in and have those conversations with you. But the reason we are is because I love you, I care about you, and I want to see you do your best work. I deserve it, our clients deserve it, and you deserve to do your best work too. And so that's why I think you know having that sort of mentorship that combines both emotive, compassion, and so forth, but then being tough as nails, holding people accountable – and in, in, it's been my experience that that is a real good way to do it because the person on the other end knows that that is out of love and respect and not being chastised or disciplined. Mm, and what I'm hearing and what you're saying is being tough doesn't mean like being derisive or, or hard as nails and unfeeling. It means being willing to have the hard conversations, being willing to hold people accountable, being willing to set boundaries and follow through with them. But it doesn't mean you have to give up who you are as a person to be that way. You can be respectful. You can be compassionate. Um, and in fact, in what I'm hearing, because I was like, wow, if someone approached me like that, I could absolutely hear what they were saying. And listen and stay engaged in the conversation. Whereas I know from experience in the past, when someone comes at me um, in a derisive way, they put down what I've done, they've disrespected me, I've checked out of the conversation because I'm on the defensive Right. at that point. Exactly. So. And in good mentorship, never put somebody on the defensive. And so whether I've mentored a woman on her team or a man on my team, I approach those conversations in the same way and notice in knowing that because of their gender, they may have subtle, subtly different or in sometimes maybe extremely different reactions to the conversation. But, you know, anybody who I'm having that conversation with knows that the reason we're having it is because I care about them, because I love them. And if I didn't, then, then they just wouldn't be on our team anymore. Right. But, but, but that isn't what my next step is. It's, it's in order to, to have good mentorship. And then by the way, in doing that, when other people then report to them, you know, that's the types of conversations that they have with their direct reports. And, and so, you know, it's, it's just mentorship and leadership is so critical to get it right. Yeah. And modeling that behavior for others. So it has a ripple effect. Amen. In the organization. Awesome. Well, Stephen, what changes do you see are necessary for more women to step up as leaders? Yeah, I, I think it's a couple of things. And I think the first thing is, is that, is it to, to, to not get hung up on titles that everybody within an organization, good or bad, can be a leader. Um, everybody has the power to be a mentor good or bad, there are plenty of people who have had influential roles in my life. And I said this recently to one of my uh, aunts back home and I was describing a certain person. And I said, um, you know, this person has been a great mentor and example in my life. And my aunt said, really? Um, why? And I said, because, you know, every time I think of a particular problem or situation, I just think of, well, what would this one person do? And then I do the exact opposite. <laughs> and, and so we have to recognize that we are leaders 
in mentors, whether we accept that tremendous responsibility or not. So you can stop feeling sorry for yourself or stop feeling unworthy that you're not a good leader and realize that you are or aren't regardless of your acceptance of that responsibility. If you're a parent and you have kids, you don't sit down and make the choice, I'm going to be a good parent or a bad parent. Maybe you do. Well, you probably make the choice of you want to be a good parent. But those who those people who are bad parents is because they left it up to chance. Being a bad parent is pretty easy. You just don't do anything. But you're creating bad modeling and mentoring and leadership in the process. So you can either accept it and be a good mentor and a good leader, or you can just choose to run from it. But you have to understand that you're mentoring and leading all the time. So when I think of like, what are the changes? The first one is acknowledge the fact that you are one and, you know, put on your big girl clothes and be one and be a great one. And you're a great one when you stop listening to the imposter syndrome. You have an abundance of God-given talents and skills that are just waiting. They're sitting there at your disposal. And your decision should be, I'm going to stop ignoring all of this abundance that I have, and I'm just going to go use it. And so don't wait for a title. Don't wait for permission. Realize that you already are one, and go be the best one God intended you to be. That would be my advice. I love that. And and get, and especially I want to underscore you know, for everyone to realize like you're already a leader, you're already a mentor, you are already having an impact on the people around you for good, bad, good, bad or neutral, right? You are having an impact, even if your strategy right now is to fly under the radar and just do what's required, that is having an impact and creating the environment around you. So Stephen, thank you for that, because I don't think a lot of people have that awareness that they're already influencing, they're already leading, they're already having an impact, but because they are um, delegating that responsibility elsewhere, they're not owning it and not, and they're not able to see the impact and the leader that they are. So just by owning it and seeing it, you can start making some different choices and that will change the environment around you and how you experience life. Let me give you an example. And I think you're 100% spot on there, Jody. So um, last night was you know the Super Bowl between the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos. Great game. I'm biased because I was hoping that the Broncos would win. And so, of course, I'm happy about that. But it was such an amazing example of what class and gratitude, again, it transcends gender what class and gratitude looks like on a national stage and what immaturity and poor sportsmanship looks like on a stage. Now, I don't care, you know, where, you know, the people who are listening right now, where you might, your fan alliances and and so forth are drawn. And some people can look past that and some people can't. But my point is, is that when they have interviewed Peyton Manning after losses, he's a very grateful loser and says, gosh, We played a team today who we couldn't keep up with. That is a great team. 
and has respect for the coaches and the players and so forth. Now, yesterday, he was a very grateful winner and said, gosh, I'm really going to enjoy this win. And he said the very first things that he, were, that he was going to do was he wanted to hug and kiss his wife, hug and kiss his kids, and then celebrate the win with teammates and coaches. Wonderful. Very grateful person. However, when Cam Newton had to go to the podium, he sat there in a hoodie and he refused to answer the media's questions and he was pouting like a 10-year-old who was told he couldn't have any more chocolate or any more sugar or any more popcorn, whatever. And like, okay, Cam. So like if he were listening right now, I would say, Cam, you can't have it both ways. You can't be flying high and accepting all the media praise and attention and all the endorsements. And when you're 15 and one and you're cruising through the playoffs and everybody is loving on you and you're a media darling, you can't accept all of that praise and adoration and love and support and then act like that when you lose a game. Because all of the children and all of the young adults who are looking at you when you're and they're celebrating with you and they're living vicariously through your victories. And then when you lose, you're still mentoring. You're showing them that's what sportsmanship is. And it isn't that. So when we're in business and things aren't going your way and you're leading your business and a customer comes in and they have complaints and so forth, how you handle that is easy to be great during the wins. And how you handle the losses is also mentorship. And I just want to make sure that your listeners understand that you're always mentoring 24-7, 365. There's never a break whether you acknowledge that or not. Stephen, that's a great example because I think um, another thing I try to underscore with my clients is when things go wrong, right? When they didn't go according to plan, when things are hitting the fan, those are prime opportunities to showcase your character. Brilliant. And who you are as a person, as a business owner, as a team player, right? Those are great opportunities for your best self to come forward because people are paying attention. You are so wise to say that, Jody. I don't mean to sound patronizing, but that <laughs> is exactly so spot on. Yeah. Yeah. We can't let those opportunities go by because that was the opportunity. Ah, oh, Stephen, we could talk forever, but I want to get a little more information from you before I let you go. So what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Oh my gosh. I am like, I, I feel like John Lee Dumas for a second. I'm like, I am so fired up. I mean, you know, and JLD is a good friend, so he he won't mind. I stole that yes. from him. But 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 anyway, I mean, there are so many things within our you know business and just kind of life that um, that I am fired up about. Um, but so first, uh, I'm stoked that my daughter is like mastering math and English in third grade. She is just cruising along, and that is just really wonderful to see. And in all of these kind of lessons that I shared with you and your listeners. She gets those like 24 7, 365. And she's probably like, oh, dad, seriously, please stop with the mentorship and the leadership and, and so forth. And I could just tell you some stories. But she's blossoming into the performer, the, you know, the hopefully, you know, the not too distant future kind of scares me to even say it, the teenager, the young adult, you know. And I've said to her, I said, you know what, my job is, my job is to make sure that you grow up to be a wonderful, 
young adult, a responsible adult, a great mom, great wife in that type of, I mean, that's my job. And in, in, in addition to, you know, if you go up to ask my daughter, uh, and, and I say, um, uh, Caitlin, I almost said her nickname, her nickname is babe. So, but that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, if, if I said, <laughs> Hey babes, anyway. Uh, so if I say, Caitlin, what is my job? She'll say, uh, daddy, your job is to keep me safe. So, um, what I'm really excited about is watching her just blossom into this amazing nine-year-old on the business side. Um, and the reason also that she's blossomed into an amazing nine-year-old is because she has a very loving family around her. My wife is amazing and extended family are just fantastic. So anyway, on the business side, I'm working uh, finally on my next uh, two books. And one is going to be about how um, business owners can use podcasting to increase traffic leads and sales. So I'm excited about that. Uh, that will come out sometime in 2016, toward the fall of 2016. And then also writing a book based on all of the incredible knowledge that we've been able to distill and extract out of our amazing Onward Nation guests, you of whom are one of those, Jody. And, and so I'm very excited about that. And that'll probably come out in early 2017. And then we just launched a, a brand new uh, service uh, within Predictive ROI called Sales Generating Podcasts, where we actually produce podcasts for clients, but more importantly, help them monetize them so they you know can generate revenue into their business. Um, and that'll probably be about a million dollar piece of our business this year. So I'm very excited about that. Um, so anyway, th those are a couple of things, personal and professional that I'm really stoked about. What a great service. That's awesome. And I'll be looking forward to your books coming out too. So keep me posted. I will absolutely do that. Yeah. All right, Steve, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Fear and procrastination are the enemies of success. And that was shared to me by, um, Dean Bacopoulos, I'm biased. I love the quote, but I'm biased because he's also uh, one of my cousins. Um, but he and I were business partners about uh, 15 years ago on a different venture. And he said to me, or said that to me one day, I'm like, man, that's brilliant. I'm totally stealing that from you. And, <laughs> and, and it just, it has meaning to me because it is so true that, and that really kind of summarizes the imposter syndrome, fear and procrastination. We do that to ourselves. Fear doesn't exist. It only exists in our own mind. So stop that, be scared and do it anyway. And so, you know, I literally have that framed on my wall. I'm looking at it right now in my office and like in one of those little successory quote things that my wife created for me and fear and procrastination are the enemies of success. And I think about it every day. I love it. I love this quote. And I just have to say, I've been giggling a little bit as you talk because I don't know where this comes from oddly, but whenever I hear the expression, Stop it. Stop it. It just makes me did, did you ever see that uh, Bob Newhart skit on Saturday Night Live? No. Oh, you haven't? Oh, my gosh. No. It, 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 it will make you laugh, like, uncontrollably for hours. Okay, so so go to, go to YouTube, like, you know, when we're, when we're done. Go to YouTube and search Bob Newhart, stop it. And so they did a skit on Saturday Night Live where he's, like, a therapist – and this woman comes in for like, you know, a therapy session, you will, I, I'm no kidding, Jody. you will laugh so hard, you will cry. It is so Even funny. if I can find it, it's going in your show notes. <laughs> it is absolutely like this. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. It is hilarious. 
All right. Right after this, I'm, I'm going to find it, you know, for research yes. and business purposes, <laughs> you know, before I post it. So, all right. All right, Stephen, tell us what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Well, um, a couple ways. First, um, some of the stuff that we uh, talked about, you know, fits into uh, this distillation that we created into an ebook that we just, I, I suppose we should have come up with a, a better title, but it's 12 Success strategies of today's top business owners. And um, so not only does it include the 12, but then it breaks down like how to apply them. So your your listeners could go to onwardnation.com slash 12 download. No hyphens or anything like that. It's just onwardnation.com slash 12 download. And it's a free you know ebook and um, hope it serves them well. So and then my direct email address is Stephen S-T-E-P-H-E-N at predictiveroi.com and drop me a note, uh, give me some feedback, thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm always looking to get better. So, uh, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Awesome. And for those who are listening and are like on their mobile device, tapping this in the 12 download, is it the number 12 or is it spelled out? Uh, Great question. No, it's the number 12. So it's onwardnation.com slash the number 12 and then download. Awesome. 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 Okay. And for those of you who are listening and did not have a chance to get right on your mobile device, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the shortened link, which is womentl.com. And right in the search bar, you can put in Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, and his show notes page or blog post attached to this episode will come right up. And Stephen, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. We are all better for having met you. It was my honor. Thank you very much for the invitation, Jody. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life? Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognized to reserve your spot in my upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work that you do. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me, and here's to your success.